The following is a message from Christ the King Presbyterian Church in Roanoke, Virginia. For more information about the ministry of Christ the King, please visit us at ctkroanoke.org. Well, good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Christ the King. Am I turned on? Can you all hear me? No? How about now? How about now? Yeah, you can hear me? Wow. Getting feedback. Okay. Well, good morning. It's good to see you. My name is Penny, and uh, I'm the senior pastor here. And friends, it is great to be with you as we gather for worship. And uh, if you have a Bible, I'd encourage you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, now, if, if you've been with us and were with us before Advent, you know that we were in the book of Romans and that when we came to the season of Advent, we took a little break from Romans and we, am I on? I'm getting looks. Why don't I just use the pulpit mic? How about we turn this on? Okay, great. All right. Oh, wait a second. You know what? This was user error. How about now? Yeah. Woo! I promise this is not my first time. <laughs> it's awesome. Okay, so, uh, so before Advent, we were in the book of Romans, and we made it uh, all the way to Romans chapter 6. But we went ahead and took a break from Romans to uh, look at the book of, or to look at some different passages in our preparation for Christmas during the Advent season. Um, and we're planning on coming back to Romans, but, but we're going to come back to Romans in, in February, because for the next four weeks, we're going to do a little mini-series on the topic of stewardship, on the talk of, topic of stewardship. And to start with that, we're going to begin in 1 Corinthians 12. So if you have a Bible, you can turn there. There are also Bibles in the chairs in front of you, and we'll project the passage in just a moment. Now, if you've been around the church for any length of time, as soon as you hear that word stewardship or steward, uh, the first thing that probably runs through your mind is money, giving, tithing. In fact, yesterday I was um, hanging out with some friends and uh, one of them asked me what, what we we're going to be preaching through and I said stewardship. And, uh, and one of the guys smiled and said, oh, four weeks on money. Great. <laughs> you know, um, Because that's how the church is often associated uh, our understanding of stewardship with. That's how we've done it, right? Stewardship Sundays, where we uh, announce, we declare what we're going to give over the next year. Stewardship campaigns, where we're trying to pay down a debt or build a building or something like that. And, and stewardship does encompass money. There is no question about it. But it's much more than that. To limit the topic of stewardship to simply money or to giving or to tithing is to, to actually limit it in its scope. Because to be a steward of something is much broader than that. And so for the next four weeks, we're not going to spend four weeks talking about money. We're going to talk about stewardship. And money will be one of those topics. But we're also going to talk about time and relationships and gifts. And when I speak of gifts, I mean spiritual gifts, talents, abilities. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning, is we're going to talk about gifts. 
the gifts that God has given. But, but before we even look at that topic, there is a, a broader question that we need to answer that's going to help orient us for all four weeks. And the question is, like, what, what does it mean for us to steward something? What does it mean to be a steward? And to be a steward is simply to be one who has delegated responsibility. That, that to be a steward means that you are responsible for something that ultimately isn't yours. And as Christians, that's what we are. We are stewards of what God has entrusted to us. Stewards, not owners. You see, in Colossians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul says, For by him all things were created in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Okay, do you hear that? Everything is the Lord's. That's what Paul is saying in Colossians 1. Everything is the Lord's. Or as the Dutch theologian Abraham Kuyper put it, there is not a square inch in the whole domain of human existence which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not declare mine. All of it. Money, time, relationships, talents, they are all his. They belong to him, and we are but stewards. We are but stewards. So, so the question is, how do we steward these things? Well, 1 Corinthians 12 is going to help us this morning. So let's follow along. The Apostle Paul writes, beginning in verse 1, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and we ask that you would teach us what it means to steward the things that you have given to us, that you would teach us, you would lead us, you would open our eyes, and that you would take us by the hand so that in all of our ways, in all of our thoughts, in all of our words, we would honor and glorify you. Our God and our King, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, the first thing that we have to see is that the gifts that we have are that. They are gifts. And a gift, by its very definition, by, by its very nature, is something that we have not earned. Right? It's something that's passed on to us out of love or generosity from the giver. Right? And that's what 1 Corinthians 12 is telling us. That the gifts we have come from God. We hear it in verses 8 and following. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. 
to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. And then Paul goes on and he lists out some of the gifts. Now, this isn't an exhaustive list, right? Because we know in, in other parts of the New Testament, like Ephesians, um, in other parts of 1 Corinthians, Paul's going to talk about different sorts of gifts that are listed here. But he lists out a few gifts, and then he concludes, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Now, I don't know if you picked up on it, but if you're listening carefully as we are reading through this passage, there's a word that keeps getting repeated again and again and again, and that word is spirit, right? It is the spirit who gives these gifts. It's the spirit who apportions to him as he wills. It's the spirit who is equipping the church with these various gifts. It is the spirit of God that he gives to all the people of God gifts. So that means if you are a follower of Jesus this morning, then God has given you gifts through his spirit. So how do you know what gift you have? I mean, how do you discern that? Now, now I imagine that some of you might be wondering, man, I, I wonder what he's going to say about tongues and prophecy and, and miracles and healings, and, and that, that would be a perfectly thing to wa- good thing to wonder, and that'd be a fine conversation, but we don't have time for all that except to simply say that we believe that revelatory gifts, so gifts that would bring a new word outside of Scripture, have ceased, Okay? So anything, if someone comes and say, I am a prophet and I have a word and it is different than what is in scripture, we would say false. Okay? Revelatory gifts have ceased. So we're not talking about those this morning. Okay? That's not what we're talking about. That could be another sermon, another sermon series, maybe a length of sermon, uh, Sunday school classes, but, but not this morning. What we're talking about is these other sorts of gifts. So how do you know of these regular gifts that God has given to his people that he continues to give to them? How do you know what you have? Let's get very practical. One is consider your desires. What are the things that you desire? What are the things that God has put upon your heart? If you have an overwhelming desire to see people come to faith and you're frequently feeling compelled to share the gospel with those who don't know Jesus, then maybe you have the gift of evangelism. How has God put desires and longings upon your heart? Well, that might be an indication. Then you take those desires and you test them. You test them. Like when you share the gospel, do you find that non-believers come to faith? That, that they understand what you're saying. If you feel like you have the gift of teaching, do you stand before people and you teach God's word and, and people feel encouraged and built up and they understand it better? You test these gifts. If you feel like you have the gift of hospitality, but when people come to your home, all you're thinking is, I can't wait for them to leave, then that might be an indication that maybe you don't have that gift. <laughs> Right? You test the gifts, and you see if there is fruit that's being produced. You consider your desires. You test your desires, and then finally you ask someone. You ask someone who can give you honest feedback, who can tell you, yes, you are a good teacher. You're an excellent musician. I feel warm and welcomed when I come into your home. You ask someone. But you have to ask someone who's going to be honest. Right? Like, uh, don't go to your mom and ask if you're a beautiful singer, <laughs> right? Because uh, uh, to, 
to most mothers, their children's voices are beautiful, <laughs> right? You, you ask someone who's going to give you honest feedback. Because where your desires and where fruit and where affirmation come together, that is a probable, that's probably a good indication that that's how God has gifted you. But I stress that last part, how God has gifted you. The stress is on the word God there. You see it at the end of our passage. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Now, this is very important for us to understand, as he wills, because it is very easy for us to question that the gifts that God has given us, that they might, they might actually indicate that God doesn't really know what we need. That we might actually start to question whether God is good when we look at our gifts. A few years ago, for Christmas, someone gave me a, a box set of CDs. Do you all remember box sets? Like now you just download the, you know, all the Beatles like in, with one click. But before, you know, 15, 20 years ago, you had to have like 20 CDs, right? And, and every once in a while, an artist would put out a box set and you would get all their CDs. And so a number of years ago, someone gave me a box set of a particular artist. I'm not going to say who the artist was. Um, but, but, you know, there's lots of CDs. So it's kind of expensive. It, it, it was a very generous gift. And this set of CDs, this particular artist, there was never in a million years ever going to be a time that I would listen to them. <laughs> it was generous. They spent a lot of money. And yet when they gave me this gift, it became very clear that they really weren't thinking about me when they gave it to me. And they really didn't know what I liked, and they really didn't know what I desired, because if they did, they would have known never to give me this particular artist. You know what this is like, right? You've gotten gifts where it's like, eh, thank you, but uh, you kind of missed that one. Maybe you got one of those gifts at Christmas this year, you know, some aunt that is out there. And I think that sometimes that's how we view the gifts that God has given us. That we look at how he's equipped us, particularly when we contrast that with the way he's equipped others. And we wish, I wish I was more hospitable like they are. Or we think, you know, I, I wish I was as articulate as she is. Or, or I wish that I could be as comforting, as consoling, as, as good of a counselor as he is. And we wonder, does God really know what's best for me? When he has given this particular gift to me, does, does he really know what I need? And so we start to maybe resent God for how he's gifted us. That if God knew me and knew the community I was a part of then, and, and my desires like I do, then he certainly would have gifted me in some other way. Now, I imagine none of us would say that aloud, but we've thought it, haven't we? And friends, when we're disappointed with how God's gifted us and we long for the gifts of others, we're actually questioning God's goodness. We're questioning his goodness, but what we need to see is that it's actually good that God has gifted me in ways that he hasn't gifted you. And he's gifted you in ways that he hasn't gifted me, and he has gifted us in ways that he hasn't gifted others. That that is actually good. It's good. And to hit this home, Paul's going to use the analogy of the body. So after our passage at the end of chapter 12... Paul says, for the body does not consist 
of one member but of many. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. You see, what Paul is helping us to see is that instead of envying others because of the gifts that they have or the gifts that we do not, we should celebrate what God has given to his church. Think about a football team. Okay, a football team, there are specific players, specific roles. Everybody's got a position, right? And the positions differ greatly on a football team. So you have your linemen, your offensive linemen, whose job it is is to use their, their mammoth size and strength to protect the quarterback and open up holes for the running back, right? But I want you to imagine that in a particular game, the left tackle, who's 6'6", 320 pounds, decides, you know what? I think today I want to play slot receiver. Okay, for those of you who don't know football, like the receiver's like lean, fast, great hands, like can move on a dime, like not 320 and six foot six, okay? So let's trade. The, the offensive lineman and the slot receiver, they trade. And so the offensive lineman's filled with smaller guys, thin guys, fast guys, but, but not very strong comparatively speaking. So what would happen in that game? Well, what would happen is the quarterback would get killed. <laughs> he would get destroyed. But also, the team will fail. The team will never win if that happened. The team will never win if the different players and positions and the different ways in which they're skilled and talented, if they do not function within their position. The team is at its best when everyone is using their unique skills for the good of the team. And the same is true of the church. You see, when we are stewarding the good gifts that God has given us, we are going to use them for the good of one another and for the whole. We're going to use them for the good of others. That's what we see in verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For the common good. You see, just as different players and positions work for the same end, so too does the church. We all have different skills and gifts and roles, and when we are stewarding, stewarding them as a community, we are using them for one another. And so you know what this means? It means you don't have to be omnicompetent. Do you all know what that word means, omnicompetent? It means you don't have to be good at everything. You don't have to be good, and neither do I. We don't have to be omnicompetent. M many of you are well aware that I am not skilled musically. I can't read music. I can't play an instrument. I love music. I love listening to it. I like singing it. When I come, I worship like someone had to listen to me singing right behind them this morning. I'm going to sing, and I'm going to enjoy it, and it's going to be wonderful, but, but I'm not very skilled. And I don't have to be. I don't have to be because others are in our community. In fact, if the expectation would be that I had to be, well, that would be the fastest way for us to destroy our music ministry. <laughs> but I don't have to be skilled that way because others are. We don't have to be able to do everything. And y'all, I got to tell you, that is very freeing. 
is very freeing. You don't have to be omnicompetent because there are others gifted in ways that you are not. It also means flowing out of that is that we celebrate the way that others are gifted. We can celebrate them. And not just those who have noticeable or upfront gifts like teaching or music, but, but those with gifts of service and administration. Gifts that often don't get noticed but are vital to the ministry of the church. Like those in the sound booth. Or those using their gifts of service in the nursery. Or those who show up and make coffee and provide a hospitable place for us to have conversations. Or those who help us find seats or, or set up and clean up for communion. Or a whole host of other things that occur in quiet and yet very important ways for the sake of the community. We can celebrate that. And not just that we can, we should. That those are parts of God's people using their gifts for the good of one another. We can celebrate that. And finally, what this means is that none of us can say, there is nowhere for my gift here. There's nowhere for me to serve. Because Paul said in verse 7, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To each. You see, God hasn't gifted you however he has gifted you. God has not gifted you in order to hold on to that gift for yourself. In fact, when we hoard our gifts and use them only for personal gain and not for the body, we're not being good stewards. Instead, we're actually neglecting our gifts. A number of years ago, before uh, Kat and I went to seminary, uh, we uh, worked uh, doing campus ministry out of a church in South Carolina, and one year, uh, a group of the leaders on, of this campus ministry, we had a, a planning and training retreat, and we went to this house in Atlanta. One of the guys had a connection, and uh, this family in Atlanta said, hey, y'all are welcome to use our basement. Just take it over. You can have it for three, four, five days, whatever. So uh, we get in our cars, we drive down, we show up, and the guy who had the connection, he started showing us around, and, and what we see is that we are going to be staying in, in what can only be described as a mansion. It was easily the largest house I've ever slept in in my life. It, it was enormous and beautiful. And so he had to take us on a tour because we could get lost, right? So he's like, here's the kitchen, and here's where you're going to be sleeping, and here's where we're going to have our meetings, and here's the full-size basketball court and tennis court and pool. Um, here's the theater room and the pool table. Like, he's showing us all these things, and he said, but, but there's one more thing I want to show you. And we walk down this little hallway, and he opens a door, and it opens up to this very tiny, very small garage. Turns on the light. And it's actually very small. It, it can only fit one car, and it barely can fit one car. And there's a car in there, and it's covered, and he pulls back the cover. And what we see is one of the most beautiful machines I've ever seen in my life. He, he said what the maker of the car was, and, and I had never heard of it, and I can't remember it. But what I do remember is that only 250 of these were made in the world. And the man who owned the house, who, who had built this big business, he gifted it to himself for all his years of work. And there it sat in this garage that you couldn't see from the front of the house. There it sat in this garage under a cover, hidden away with the lights off. And he never drove it. He barely talked about it. We could look at it, but we certainly could not touch it. <laughs> Maybe I did, but. 
But I have to tell you that after we put the cover back over and we turned off the light and we walked away, and after the awe started to wear off, I thought, this is sad, actually. It's a really sad situation because there's this incredible machine, this wonderful gift, and it's hidden away and never used. I mean, there's something strange about that, isn't there? Like, kids, think about Christmas gifts, the Christmas gifts you just got, right? It would be weird if you never wore those new comfy pajamas or if you never shot that new basketball or you never played the game, right, kids? It it would be weird. It would be strange if you left the clothes in the packaging, if you never took out the ball, if you put put the game up on its shelf and just pointed it to people as they arrived but never played with it. That would be weird. Because you're not supposed to take gifts and just hide them away. You're supposed to take gifts and use them. And that's what it means to be a steward of the gifts God has given us. We are to take the gifts that God has given us, the way he has equipped us, the way he has enabled us, and we are to use them. And we are to use them for the good of others. We are to use them for the church. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you have equipped your church and that you have enabled us with, you have given us gifts to enable us to do the work of your church. And so we pray that you would help us, help us to use the gifts you have given for the building up of your body, for the sake of your church, and most of all, Father, for the glory of your name. We thank you for your generosity to us and ask that we would, you would help us to use our gifts for yours and others' good. We pray this all in Christ's name. And God's people said together, amen.